This week on Sober Dope, our favorite resources for sobriety. Hello, sister. Hello, sister. How are you? I'm great. I'm drinking my Diet Coke caffeine-free cola. I'm drinking my Diet 7-Up, which is very sparkly and citrusy and delicious. (laughs) Fabulous. Mm. Welcome to Sober Dope. Hi, Hi, sister and brother, if you're listening. Sister and brother? Sure, our friends. Oh, yeah. We're all family. Yes, we're all acquainted now. This is our, what, fourth episode? Something like that. And Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year, sister. Happy 2020. And um... Oh, man, this is going to be a good year. I hate when people say that, but I believe it. I believe it this year. I get worried about saying that because I feel like you could jinx it. Because you don't really actually know, right? But, like... but I do. <laughs> I know oh, okay. it my soul. <laughs> 2019 was hard and necessary. And then it turned out to be really, really, really good. Agreed. It was definitely hard and necessary. And I think that's why I'm so hopeful about now. Because the hard and necessary stuff kind of broke everything open and we all survived congratulations you're 100 percent on making it through today if you're listening to this then you made it through 2019 Mm -hmm. so congrats so i celebrated i just told gracie this before we started our podcast that i really i'm gonna i'm gonna have some accountability here friends i don't want to admit this you leaning in real close. I don't juicy. want to tell anybody this, tell but me. I want accountability and I want my life to be better. Fill your I, beans. I need to stop smoking. Yeah, you do. It's gross. I hate it. It's still my like final crutch. I quit for many, many, many years, like almost like 12 years. And then when I started drinking a lot, I started smoking again. And then after I stopped drinking, I'm like, I can't quit smoking. I need something. And it's been five and a half years ago, and I need to stop. So I'm well, stopping. Well, the good news is that you stopped before, so you know you mm-hmm. can stop again. Yeah, I've been, like, quitting intermittently through 2019. I'd stop for a while, and then I'd pick it back up. It's so It's so gross. Well, it's, it's addictive. It, it's, I know. Like, it's highly, highly addictive. Is really hard to quit. Like the, yeah. but I'm not going to quit quitting. So now everybody knows my gross secret, my, my closet smoking, which isn't very closet around my family and friends, but I'm pretty sure a lot of people smoke who may be listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know why, but I, I have, I have smoked before and the most regularly I smoked was when I was 21. But for some reason I can, I can not. I can moderate my smoking, but at the same time, I don't want to, like, play with fire. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> pretty good pun. <laughs> See, I celebrated tonight by eating bacon and smoking, which is you not a good what? start. What did the you celebrate? Year. The new year. <laughs> You're going to have a heart attack. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm not. That's why I'm going to quit smoking. Are you going to quit eating bacon? Uh, no. That would be, <laughs> why would you do that? Oh. No, but I've been doing this keto diet for a while, and um, so that's a, also time to 
moderate that too because I feel good and I don't need to lose more weight and I need, don't need to eat bacon <laughs> all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> well, it's out there. You just put it out there into the universe in front of other people that you're I did. smoking. That's yep. pretty cool. I got to quit. What, what's I your quit date? What is today? The second? I'm going to mm-hmm. quit. Uh, <laughs> Tomorrow? <laughs> I'm going to quit January 4th. You just want that one last day of smoking? Yeah, I have like a half a pack of cigarettes. And I'll just dig them out of the trash because I'm that fucking sick about it. Do you, so, you got a plan? <laughs> um, I've got patches still. Patches of who I am. <laughs> Makes me think of dodgeball. Movie dodgeball. <laughs> um, I have patches and I need to get some gum. But... I was also, I've heard from some friends that, like, the vape things, which I think are just kind of also a crutch, were actually really helpful to, like, cut back on the amount of nicotine. Because for me, it's like the habit. It's like the physical holding habit. When when I'm stressed, I do it. And when I'm bored, I do it. Well, so, yeah, I mean, either way, it's whatever you need to do for you is fine. Yeah. I would just say that, like, if you want to be free of cigarettes because they're stinky and addictive and expensive, then that's fine. But if you want to be free of, like, addictions, then probably moving to a vape is just moving from one addiction I to know. a different addiction. So it doesn't, so, like, you have to do what you got to do. And, like, yep. I would pass zero judgment on, like, I don't care if you vape. <clears throat> Clearly, like, it's way better than smoking cigarettes. I just want to be free of addictive substances. Yeah, I'm I'm addicted to caffeine. I'm addicted to like taking medicine when I have a headache. I'm addicted oh, yeah, to a I lot of little things. One. When you like try to go an entire day without taking something to reach an equilibrium, it's really interesting to see. Like it's very I move towards trying to fix a feeling very quickly. Like even if I have a little backache, I'll go for like Motrin or mm-hmm. if I feel a little tired, I'll go for caffeine and it's like constantly chasing them. All day. That's a really interesting observation. I'm going to be more observant of that for myself because it's true. I don't even think about that stuff. I'm like, no, I got a headache. I don't want a migraine. I'm going to take this. Or take something to help me sleep and it's natural, but it's still like I worry that if I don't take it, that I won't sleep. Oh, is that your tincture (laughs) stuff? Yeah. Yeah. But like, that's it. It's just another chemical, essentially. It's a plant chemical, but it's still chemical. Yeah, I noticed that when I um I w- like rolled off the wagon of my diet <laughs> on Christmas. So for Christmas, I ran out. T- speaking of addictive substances, one of the worst is sugar for me. Oh my god! I thought you were gonna say pumpkin pie because pumpkin oh. pie. Is no, a I very made I made substance. a healthy pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I was good, but Christmas, man, Christmas, I was like, I've been doing so good. I'm gonna have whatever I want to eat. You know what I did? I, really? I went out the night before and I bought myself an entire box of chocolates, like freaking Forrest Gump. And I woke up like a kid on Christmas morning at like 530 and I was like, I get to eat my chocolates. <laughs> and I ran to the kitchen and I ran back and I sat in bed and there was a significant other with me. And he was like, what are you doing? And I ate like six chocolates and I swear to God Grace I was like a toddler that you should not feed sugar to and I was like Wah! 
And then like three days later when I started eating normal and all the sugar left my system, I was like, I had migraines. I felt awful. I was going to felt like I was going to throw. I felt like hungover. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I had the flu. So it was crazy and a good reminder to me that you don't just eat all the chocolates no. or the all the pancakes. Or I mean, if you're early in sobriety, oh, do whatever you have to do. Oh, for sure. Yes. Eat whatever you want yep. to eat. Eat Shove it. whatever you want in your mouth as long as it's alcohol. Yeah. The whole point for Mila <laughs> but... was like what chemicals do to your body. Yeah. So Yeah, sugar is a chemical too. And you know what's funny is like when I would listen to like sobriety podcasts and stuff, people would talk about like sugar addiction and la 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 la. And like I'm so not there yet. And I yeah. still am not. Like diet is a huge thing that you do when you're further along the like Maslow hierarchy of needs of sobriety (laughs) like diet is at the tippy top like for me I just I focus on the other things at the bottom but like eventually one day I'm gonna have to change the way that I eat um because it does mess with your head it messes with your 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 insulin level your glucose level throughout the day and your dopamine man there's a lot going on with what you put in your body for fuel but I'm not there yet personally uh I haven't made that connection I'm still kind of early on I'm just trying to not put alcohol in my system so well that's maybe I'll get there don't yeah well if anybody (laughs) has resources for me about quitting smoking or things that worked for you or resources for accountability on stopping smoking I would love to hear them because I need them and I need your help and don't say Chantix because it makes her cuckoo oh I did try Chantix and I was like losing my mind and got extremely depressed my doctor told me to get off of it because it was not good but I was like no I know why people take this because it's just so awful they just want to like not they can't understand what's happening so they, that's what the, why they're not smoking no it was just a very bad mix for my brain chemistry so thank you I know you can I do it index. I'm certain that you can do it and whenever you're losing your mind you can call me. Thank and you. And I know it'll be a rough two to three weeks, but after that, it's going to be your new norm. Yep. And you're going to be so happy you did it. Oh, I'm going to be so happy. And my daughter's going to be happy. And again, I know you're not supposed to do it for other people, but that's a big thing for me. That's why I got sober. Like I got sober because I wanted her to have a better quality of life along with myself. But yeah, I just want to live a long time. Mm-hmm. And I already know smoking is not going <laughs> to enable me to reach the goal. Right. So, but we did talk, you know, beforehand, we were going to talk about some of our resources too, about what, what resources we use to stay sober or what helped us get sober. And we were chatting earlier and you were sharing all of your resources. I'm like, these are really great. So even like five and a half years sober, I'm like, I'm going to check some of these things out because I need to supplement my own sobriety I'm using air quotes, which you can't see program because I've just, I've stayed sober, which is really good, but I don't want to just not drink. I want to have a higher quality of life. And like you were talking about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I think if you ask any person that's ever worked for me, I probably refer to that like five times a day and they get annoyed and roll their eyes. But (laughs) I'm kind of like in the mid level right now with my sobriety, I would say, where I'm like, I'm good. I'm not like freaking out I'm not craving I'm not desiring to drink I know the 
all of my basic needs are taken care of, but I'm not getting to a point. I, I've been latent. I'll just say that like where I'm not discovering new things about myself or adding to my toolbox. I've been kind of like, okay, this is good, which I've needed for a while. I needed that. I needed to just be okay. But now I'm kind of at the point where I do want my sobriety to be deeper and a little bit more spiritual. So some mm-hmm. of the resources that you shared, it's great to go back and listen because there are things that I hear now that I would have never heard in my first year, second year sober, first day, especially not sober, you know, but my resources were just like, I needed to not die. So Mm -hmm. my resources were a lot more critical care. And even before that was like very clinical or traditional. So I think it'll be good to share all those. If you're looking for your own resources, maybe one of them will help. Yeah, um, I, so I guess the reason maybe I have so many resources is because I, like, was looking into not drinking for so long and, like, dipping my toe into the water of sobriety, and so I was kind of picking and choosing what messages I wanted to start start including in my life and, um, like, what would, figure out what was resonating with me, and so not all of it looked like getting sober resources. A lot of it was self-improvement or spiritual or um, just like strong women who had overcome really difficult things. But something that I did um, keep hearing in the sobriety community was this phrase, um, and I know you've heard it, um, you can't do it alone. Yeah. And that phrase pissed me off. I freaking hated hearing it over and over. I'm like, I can do, first of all, I can do anything. Second of all, I've done most of the shit alone. (laughs) So I know I can do this. And so it it turns out, spoiler alert, um, three years went by and I couldn't do it. Um, And what a huge turning point for me was, you know, not showing up and being in a physical group with people, but at the very least, having a community of support online or resources that I could go to that felt so familiar and friendly and and family-like that I could rely on them, I could go to them, I could lean on them, I could use them as like a well, like a source um, for inspiration and for support and for um, just kind of a, a sacred place. So the phrase you can't do a little uh, you can't do it alone unfortunately is really true sorry to everyone who that's still pissing them off and I feel for you but maybe it should be like said differently maybe it should be like you can't do it in a bubble like you can't just wish that you stop drinking and then white knuckle it and just not put alcohol in your body and then you're fine Correct. It's a process of transformation and that takes the sharing of knowledge and it takes the sharing of ideas and it takes expressing yourself and it, it takes learning about yourself. And so, you know, some people go to AA and that works for them and that's awesome. And some people read a shit ton of books or listen to podcasts or mm-hmm. take up a new hobby or go to therapy or journal or there's so many things you can do, but honestly, the reason we're talking about resources today is because for me, it was it was a huge turning point. It got me off the hamster wheel of three years of trying to use my intellect and willpower and self-discipline 
and that wasn't working. And then when I started delving into like resources for the support, things started to really click and I started to learn about what was going to keep me sober. So that's been a really big deal for me. And I think it'll help me in the long term be able to stay sober because like what you're talking about, Holly, like the latent these periods where we just kind of are coasting or you know, just living our lives, not, it's not yep. really on our radar, they come and go, and that's, and that's totally fine, but if yes. you start getting really complacent, then that's kind of, you're entering the danger zone again. Yes. Um, so I think having, like, a foundation of resources that you know that work for you is good, because you can always fall back on them, or <clears throat> look into them again, and be re-inspired by them. So I'm interested to hear what your resources were, or are. Oh, I have so many thoughts just thinking, listening to what you have to say about your resources and doing it alone, not being able to do or not doing it alone. And some of these things that were ping ponging in my head as you said that and one of the phrases just to revisit that one of the things that I hated to hear was this whole notion of surrender. Like you just got to surrender. You got to give your willpower over (laughs) to a higher power. And I'm like, I will. At first, yeah. I'm like, uh, never surrender. I am the Alamo. (laughs) (laughs) I will never surrender to anything. No, but then it was like, it would get to the point where I'm like, okay, I surrender. And surrender (laughs) to me was just like, (laughs) just going and doing the things I was supposed to do still. So again, my resources were much more clinical. Like I shared early on like the only reason I I wandered into an AA was because I was basically threatened by my marriage being lost or like I had to do it or the the bricks would start falling out of the castle so I went to a meeting and I was like oh my god this is insane like there were like two people there there was this old guy who actually was I'm so grateful for now he like I went into the meeting and He's like, oh, you're new. I'm going to buy you your big book. And I'm like, okay, thanks, dude. Like, waiting to get out of there was so uncomfortable because there was, like, maybe three people, I guess. And somebody had a dog that was running around. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? And I went home with the book from AA. And I was still, like, drinking then. This is probably, like, 10 years ago now, maybe even longer. And I started reading the book. And the book is really old and it's archaic language, but some of the stuff when I started reading it, talking about what an alcoholic is, I was like, oh, it was the first time I was like, shit, (laughs) I, I think I'm what they call a real alcoholic. And so that was really the first resource, which is really basic and frankly, it's free. Like, it's mm-hmm. free and it's a welcome open door. Um, as I've shared, I don't attend AA. I'm going to start going back, though, to this awesome women's meeting that I, I used to go to. I, I'm planning on doing that on this Saturday, actually. But for a long time, I used my resources. Even though it was a powerful resource, I used it as an excuse as well to keep drinking, which sounds very strange. But that whole, like, notion of, like, I am smarter than this and I am not like these people. I've never been arrested I've never lost anything. I just, I've got just a problem. I just need to figure out how to manage. So when I started looking at resources that were not AA, um, I found it was called SMART Recovery. And I am sorry, I don't remember what the acronym stands for. 
but that's another resource that I, you know, I guess works for some people. It would not work for me personally. Like there's Why not? looking back because I've I heard just, really good things about it. I haven't. Yeah. I, but... it's more about like self-awareness and moderating drinking and, um, but for me, like it just got to the point where like, I can never have alcohol again. Like I can never have alcohol again because I've proven time and time and time again that the relapses would get worse. And I like, if it's worse than me thinking I'm going to die, I don't, I'll be dead if I use alcohol. So that might sound dramatic and hyperbolic, but it's not, it's not to me. So I, it, for me, that's why it doesn't, I, I didn't explore it or go into it. Um, but I was looking at it at the time because I just needed to manage my alcohol. Yeah, I didn't um, realize that they advocated for moderation. I mean, that's yeah. like every problem drinker's dream. It's like, oh, I can just learn to moderate sure. and that'll be great. And I wasted years of my life trying to do that. And I would never recommend it for anyone who has trouble drinking because yeah. it's just likelier to keep you stuck. Unless and they you're really say, not like a problem drinker. In the program too, like some people just choose to abstain and still are a part of that program. I just don't know much about it. I just knew that I looked at it because it was more, there was, there was an uh, wiggle room of, of moderation in it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think for somebody who's sober curious, I think that yeah. might be an interesting resource. Maybe maybe it is just problem drinking and maybe it's not to the point of addiction. Um, but maybe there's also some tools in there that kind of like the big book at AA did for me that you start looking through them and reading them and you see yourself in those words and you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it didn't change anything for me for many years, but it at least, it, that's the first resource I can think of. So. I kind of went from there. My other resources were, frankly, um, an inpatient facility. I had went to the same one. It, it's a hospital, inpatient hospital focusing on addiction and recovery. Um, it is a great place. And I'm fortunate. Like, I'm, I knew it then. I know it now. I'm super fortunate that I had health care. I'm so mm-hmm. fortunate yeah. that I had health care and the it's ability to just choose to go. Because it's a really big deal. It is. It's insane. Like, I'm so lucky and I will never, ever not be grateful for that. But it was an expensive treatment facility. And it was, you know, where you go. I went the first time I went for seven days. Um, Two years later, when I had gone back again, I had gone for 10 days. And I had to be on benzodiazepines and have people monitor me around the clock because I had jacked up my body so bad. But if I did not have that resource, I know I probably would have had DTs and gone to the hospital and potentially died if I didn't. So I'm grateful. That was a very critical resource. But there's also, um, after I completed that, I went to an outpatient. Um, yeah, I just want to like, just say really briefly. Yeah. Just in case people are listening to this, mm. which <laughs> I don't know. I haven't checked our stats in a while. I'm pretty sure we don't have huge crowds, but I am thankful for every single person listening. Absolutely. And if you're listening and you're a, a very heavy drinker, meaning you have more than like four four drinks a day daily <clears throat> you could go into dts which are really serious so consider if you are considering quitting drinking please talk to your doctor about it before you do it because if you're a very very heavy drinker and you go cold turkey you could you could have heart arrhythmias you can have seizures you can, yeah you can be really very close to death so like just be aware that there could be a process for you to come down off of alcohol or needing inpatient treatment. And that's, and that's fine, but you need to do whatever you need to do to be safe. So yes. just talk to your doctor, have a quick combo with them. 
and then see what the best option for you would be. Yes. Yeah. I thank you for sharing that because I, I didn't know that until I started Googling and researching about alcohol withdrawal. And I didn't realize that that was something that could happen to me, which even scared me more. So I, for me that I had to do that for myself or I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have recovered frankly, but yeah, there's outpatient intensive therapy, which you, you know, it was a group where you go for, I think it was a span of six to 10 weeks. Maybe I went three times a day or three times a week. It was at night um, where you get some basic recovery toolbox kit and you have a, have group sessions and it's talk therapy. Um, they did do drugs. That's covered by your insurance? Um, I think so. Wow. I think one of them was, but I had gone like three different times. So after a certain point, your insurance is like, dude, just no. Um, but that was through a local resource, through a local mental health facility. Um, and another, like a resource that I thought about later, that was a resource that I think should be, is, is helpful that's available is like, I think that when again, fundamentally, I was just getting introduced to these critical resources and most common resources. Um, it was like, you know, you got to do the 12 steps. You've got to work a program. You've got to follow this plan or program. And kind of that's how you recover. And then I started finding other options. But one thing that was introduced that I was grateful for the facility that I went to, that they did a combination of different therapies. And one of, part of that combination was also um, some pharmaceutical resources. So I, there are a couple that, that I had taken. Um, one, when I was trying to just moderate was Camphrol. Mm-hmm. And they're like these little, like, they look like tiny Mentos and you had to like take six of them a day, but it was supposed <coughs> to cut down your cravings. And if you did drink, it was, it cuts down the reward part of that. Um, and then, which clearly didn't work for me. I, like, I tried everything that I'm like, I just need to stop. I just need to manage this. So I do think it's helpful for some people that, but for me, I was an, an addict. So I would stop taking them because I wanted to drink and feel that buzz and didn't do it consistently. I was scared to take an abuse because I wanted to keep drinking. Yeah. But one that was so, really. Just so people yeah. know, like, Camprol is it kind of help it's supposed to help with craving but it, i don't think that it makes you like violently ill when you drink whereas no, abuse, if you drink on antibuse there's a huge disincentive to drink because it will make you so ill so yes yeah there's they there's a bunch that work in different ways another one was naltrexone is that right gracie am i N- thinking of that naltrexone? i think so yeah naltrexone um I want to say, yeah, it's older, but it's still used. The other one that's, like, used is Librium. Hmm. That's one that I don't know about. Yeah. Um, And then the last one. I don't see it in the hospital, but I'm sure it's used outpatient a lot. Yeah, but what was really helpful for me, and I I did it, like, because I wanted to do anything that I possibly could when I went out of the inpatient treatment center um, the final time when I got sober, was, uh, I'm going to say it wrong. I always confuse this drug with something else, but 
Vivitrol. Oh, that's the naltrexone. Oh, is it? Okay. So, mm-hmm. but it came in a shot form. So you had to go oh, in okay. and you got a shot in your ass nice. and you had to rub it with a tennis ball because it was like, a, it was a month long shot and it mm-hmm. had like capsules that would release. But that really did help me cut down my cravings in that one, especially that first month. And then also it, it kind of cut out the dopamine reward system. So if you did relapse, you wouldn't get like the high high of, of mm-hmm. drinking. Like if you really drank, you would still get drunk, but you wouldn't get kind of like the dopamine rush that you got get when you like first take your first drink. So I thankfully didn't drink even though I was on it, but that was something that was helpful for me. And I appreciated talking with the medical professionals about that side of things because I had only up to that point had heard about the 12 steps and working that recovery program, not necessarily the the there were these other medical resources that that could be available. Yeah, I mean, if your body and brain chemistry have been along the roller coaster ride of alcohol abuse for that long, you may yeah. need like help chemically in addition to other forms of therapy. So the most effective thing that's been found for really any like mental disorder or like physical addiction is like a combination therapy. So yeah, there's never going to be. Well, if you ever meet a doctor who says, just take this pill and you'll feel better, then never go back to that doctor. But if there's never going to be a time where you go into a medical office or uh, rehab and they say, you know, like, just take this and <clears throat> you'll be fine. There's always like the, you always need the backup therapy and you actually have to do the work emotionally and, and mentally and spiritually for yourself. But those, those medicines make a huge difference because when your brain chemistry has been distorted for so long, you can't even start to put new neurons together like you can't even start forming those new pathways you can't start having clear thoughts you can't your your body is constantly craving it and like distracting you away from what you're supposed to be doing so right yeah that's a really really good option to have and I also want to acknowledge again I'm talking I know I'm talking about this from a very privileged position like I recognize that I am grateful that I had the resources. I'm grateful that I had health insurance. I'm grateful that I had the choice to seek all these different resources, like some, again, privileged person. I'm just going to figure this out. I'm going to try all these different things. Like, but there are resources that are publicly accessible. Um, There are a number of foundations that are, you know, have sober living facilities, which are another great option that I, I was offered that, but I chose not to just because for me, I, I, again, it was the fear of, of losing care for my daughter, um, to be out of pocket that long. But I do think it would be a really good option that would have been supportive for me. Um, so there, there are a number of resources. I think I'm going to do some research. This is going to prompt me to, to, to look at some more publicly accessible, um, resources, just yeah, so we can post them on. Too. They're just um, hard to find. And there's a lot of times the ones that are publicly accessible or publicly funded or get public funding is there's so little space. Like there's so many people that need, need treatment and in programs that there's waiting lists and things like that. And um, so I just, again, I just want to say, I, I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, just go and do this. Like I realize I'm very lucky and I'm grateful for that. But those were some of the resources I was thankful to have. Yeah, and public resources at times can be really difficult to navigate when you're yes. not in the right state of mind, too. So I think, like, 
if if anyone pulls anything away from this, maybe <clears throat> the biggest resource of all is asking for help, which again, yep. that's a phrase that when I heard it, it's super annoying um, because most people feel like I can do this. Like I'm smart, I'm capable, I, I got this. But the truth is, if you can't afford therapy, if you can't get transportation to therapy, if you can't, um, you know, if you just don't have the means to get the help that you need, that is the time where you're going, I'm sorry to say it, but you're going to have to swallow your pride and at least tell one person who can help you achieve that goal of just getting in the door somewhere or getting your, your foot in a type of therapy that's going to work for you. And that's where the whole you can't do it alone thing happens because yeah. to a certain extent you just hit a wall where you can't go any further and if one other person one single other person whether it's a person in your community one close friend one close relative just letting one person know what you're dealing with <clears throat> will make a big difference because other people do want you to be healthy and happy and they do want you to live a long time and they do want you to be clear-headed and <clears throat> and it's just it's it's impossible to do it alone. You just you maybe even could string along, you know, several days or even a year or however many years sober, but like you're gonna hit a wall eventually when you don't let people in to help you. Um your sobriety relies on more than just your willpower and your mental capability and your independence. It relies on the connection you have to other people to let them in and to let them see you and see what you're dealing with. And to let them extend a hand out from time to time to say, you know, hey, let me give you a ride to a meeting or, um, hey, you know, if you are thinking about backing out of therapy because it's 60 bucks a month, maybe I can front you this one month. Um, just letting people help you if they're offering is, is very important and very hard to do. Probably the hardest yeah. thing to do. And I think I was so alone. I was like, I don't think anybody gives a shit. But I will tell you. People give a shit. They do. And. If anything, if you need somebody to give a shit, I give a shit. I want you to be sober if you're listening. Like, it's the best gift you can give yourself, even if you don't see it right now. I promise you. Like, mm -hmm. so we can, we can not, we can't get you sober, but we can tell you that we want you to be sober, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. But I think, yeah, you're right. Like, you can't do it alone, but also going kind of circling back, full circle, that thing I hated to hear about surrender like, no matter, it's true. Like, I could not take care of myself. I could not take care of myself. I had finally dug myself into, like, a literal, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual hell. I could not save myself. And I had, that was, that's when I finally got what that meant, where I'm just like, I have to fucking risk everything because I don't want to die. So that was my surrender. Like, I drove my ass to the inpatient facility and I'm like, I just, I need to just be here. Mm -hmm. I left everything. I left my job. I left my kid. Terrifying. It is terrifying, but I'm like, this is it, man. I like, I can't do this. I can't. I was all by myself. Nobody wanted anything to do with me. And now I get what that means, even though I was like, whatever, I surrender before no idea. you know the episode in the office where michael scott is bankrupt and he goes that's exactly out and he's right. like i declare bankruptcy i declare surrender <laughs> and then nothing happens and you're like what the fuck i declared it that's exactly I, yeah. what i did for probably seven years grace that is amazing surrender I just think we need to put looks that meme like on her. 
surrender <laughs> looks like a lot of different things, but yep. it probably doesn't look like what you think it does. And maybe I did little bits along the way, you know, where it was surrendering to the fact, like, I was talking about my story, like, I, there was a point where I'm like, I just didn't fucking care. Like, part of that was just surrendering to, like, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. Like, that part I did. But, like, the surrendering to wanting to get better took a while. Like, I could acknowledge I was an alcoholic to myself. <laughs> and everybody else started knowing it. But, yeah. The surrender my to surrender get better was, like, my the moment of surrender that I had, I remember it very clearly of, like, being just emotionally wrecked, staring out a window at a sunset. And for whatever reason, it didn't even feel like it came from inside my brain, but it probably did, where I just heard, like, like, get out of your own way. And so I started, like, basically praying, like, please help me get out of my own way. Because the more I tried to, like, fix myself and the harder I was on myself to stop fucking up and stop falling off the wagon and, you know, get myself together and do therapy better and read more books and... <laughs> um. <laughs> do I'm laughing, more I and eat better and, I relate yeah eat better and and be better and work better and be nicer and like the harder I was on myself the worse I was making it and so I was just getting in my own way all the time and so my prayer was just like please just help me get out of my own way and guess what happened shit got way worse <laughs> like things like fell my life fell off it felt like everything was falling apart it felt like nothing was working you know my relationship ended I was living in a fucking grain silo (laughs) it was a nice grain silo grace it was like a designer one so okay well when you have to put on mud boots to try to get into your muddy ass grain silo I'm not saying it's not a grain silo birds are living in your roof straight up a grain silo but it was still like a pretty one (laughs) yes but yeah it was it was sad times yes. and I you know I wasn't performing yeah. well in my job and I felt like my friendships were not strong and I just felt like alone I felt I felt broke I was broke and it was just it was bad times like things got worse before they got better but like me putting that out there like please help me get out of my own way was like I put it out there but nothing immediately got better it just got worse and that was the surrender part for me it was just like all right well shit's getting worse now Um, but it also really, really helped strip away things that needed to go. And I didn't get that for a long time. Like things were falling apart and falling away. And I thought, oh God, I got to hang on to all of it. But the more I let things just fall away, the better it was becoming just like for my future. I just didn't get it then. Yeah. So shit got bad, basically. (laughs) I prayed and then shit got worse. And I'm really glad that it did. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you're touching on the other phrase that I really hated. I'm grateful to be a. I'm a grateful alcoholic. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> Nobody's grateful to be an alcoholic. You're an asshole. In my head, of course, again, because I do have manners. But yeah, I am grateful. I'm grateful now. I'm grateful all that. I'm not happy. I don't wish it ever happened. But I'm grateful I'm where I'm at now because of it. Yeah, so. I'm one of those assholes who's grateful that I'm I can't drink anymore. You know what? You know what I want. Sorry. So getting back to resources. Yes. <clears throat> one of my big resources 
that I like still get all my one-liners from, my best one-liners, was Home Podcast. It was with Holly Glenn Whitaker and Laura McCowan. There were like hundreds. I just love her. Oh my God. There were like over a hundred episodes. They did an amazing job. They did an amazing job with that podcast and it doesn't exist anymore. They've both gone on to do their own things, but I still listen back to those episodes. And I remember when I was like super curious, um, Holly in one of the episodes was like, if you're, um, you know, if you are curious to see if you can drink, well then drink, see what happens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I don't care. Like I'm I'm not trying to torture you and tell you you can't drink. If you think you can handle drinking, go ahead and drink. Just let me know what happens. And so I remember hearing that and being like, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to drink. And every time I would, it would be terrible. Yeah. And so it would bring me back to the podcast to, like, keep listening and learning. And I They would call that in AA meetings, like, oh, go ahead and experiment. Yeah. Do it. Go for you it. You think you're not done? Okay. Absolutely. Don't be done then. Maybe you're not. And it was, yeah. And I did that a lot. So <laughs> very good learning experience. But the other one... I started running, and when I would run, I would listen to audiobooks and podcasts, and Recovery Elevator was one, um, home podcast and audiobooks, like, I was, like, sneakily downloading books about, like, alcoholic memoirs, and then hiding them from my boyfriend at the time, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, Drinking a Love Story by Caroline Knapp, and Blackout uh, by Sarah Heppola. Dry by Augustine Burroughs. Like, these are not books that glamorize drinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> these are books that wreck you um, just to read them. And I, your oh shit moment where you're reading the big book and going like, oh, I'm like legitimately an alcoholic. I identified so much with those books that I was like, God damn it. Like, it really forced me to be like, oh, if I understand where these super dysfunctional drinkers are coming from, then I've got a problem. Yeah. So I hated that feeling, but I just kept going back for more just to make sure. Yeah. I was like trying to look for differences and all I kept Mm -hmm. finding were similarities. (laughs) Like hiding drinking and obsessing about how much I could have and when I could have it next and all the shit that comes with lying to your Where you were going to get it. And yeah. The sneaking around, especially, and the shame, and the, mm-hmm. just all of it. So I listen to a lot of those books, like on drives and at the gym, and I just like bathed in it for a few years, and I learned a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. And then some of the other books. Um, let me look. I made a little list. I read Gabby Bernstein. Um, she's got a bunch of good books. Um. She she kind of writes in like a more upbeat like you can do it <laughs> kind yeah. of way, um, where she's coming from like more of a health perspective and like a spiritual perspective about kind of you know coming into what you were meant to do in life and um, kind of stepping into a bigger. Um, well, maybe I need to read those books. They're very inspirational. They're yeah. very inspirational, and her story is incredible. Um, she was addicted to drugs and alcohol and then had like it, this enormous breakthrough and now she speaks in front of thousands of people and writes all these great books and she's she's amazing. Um, she's I, I don't know why I stopped reading her. I think it was just because she was so upbeat and I really like <laughs> <laughs> I really like people who are a little bit more snarky. Yeah, um, I do too. But she did help me through a hard winter and then um, another 
I read a lot of Brene Brown and I read a lot of Glennon Doyle. I really love Glennon Doyle a lot. She's super sassy. She's been through a lot. Her messages are always about like fierce love, which always just really get me. Um, and then therapy. I just started paying like twenty dollars yeah. for therapy session, paying twenty bucks here and there when I could. And then I finally found a therapist <clears throat> that I could see regularly. And um, she told me I was <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. She told me I was fucked up enough that she was like, "Yeah, you, you're I I coded your insurance so that you can just come and get therapy um, <laughs> as much as you need, basically." And I was like, "Oh, thanks." So talk to your therapist to see if they can do a sliding scale or code your insurance so that you can come more often. Um, but yeah, those are my big ones. Yes, I'm grateful for my resource with my therapist now. She's pretty great. For Karen. <laughs> yeah, my Karen. <laughs> but I, she must have done that. I'm going to have to ask her next time. Because <laughs> I'm like, this is pretty sweet. I usually have to pay a lot of money after I go for four times and I'm doing pretty good so yeah, ask I her, asked my Karen I, I, like, how been... she coded me. <laughs> I, I asked my Karen I was like I've been here like 12 times I'm, I think I'm gonna run out of sessions yeah. she's like don't worry about it I got you <laughs> I was like oh shit thanks Karen because <laughs> I'm crying on her couch um, <laughs> Another thing that I do now that I'm kind of out of crisis phase and into like, let's see how I'm going to live a sober life is my Instagram has been like replaced with all like sobriety type of accounts. Mm -hmm. Um, You can even make like a separate account if you don't want to flood your, your story all the time with these things. But um, there are a lot of good resources on Instagram. Yes, there are. Like a lot of really cool people. I've learned about a lot of different podcasts about sobriety that just from our Sober Dope Instagram. Mm-hmm. Sober oh, Dope yeah, podcast. Yeah, we have an Instagram. Yeah. An Instantgram, as the kids say. Not a Finsta. Yeah, do it for the gram. Check us out on Instagram. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a Rinsta, not a Finsta. It is? It, meaning like it's not here. This is me dating myself. My, you know, I surprised my fourteen-year-old when I'm like, "How do you have any finstas?" And she looked at me with these big eyes. She what said, does that mean? Fake Instagram. Oh. So that's why our sober dope podcast Instagram is a, a rinsta. It's. A <laughs> I just made that up. Oh God. God, mom puns are the best. We're so cool. Mm-hmm. You know what? Though, <laughs> speaking of your. I declare surrender slash bankruptcy <laughs> meme. I'm going to date myself again. I just, I thought of um, like kind of my generation would be the Seinfeld episode where George's dad keeps chanting serenity now. Serenity serenity now. now. Yep. I scream yes. that on the regular. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of where I was at too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should post both of those. <laughs> we should. Do you have a meme maker? We could start churning out memes no i'm fresh out of that but i don't have time for that shit i do have an app that you you told me about and pointed me to though oh yeah and um on my um, phone yeah the nomo app or any sobriety counter yeah yeah if you go under itunes or if you have an android wherever the hell you guys get your shit um (laughs) i don't even know (laughs) you did your own um you can just type in sobriety counter and you can have like 
basically a visual aid to see how many days you've been sober, how much money you've saved, how many calories you've saved. And some of them even have ways to talk to people like privately, like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm looking for an accountability partner. And for the most part, I've had a really good experience with that. Um, I did have to reset my clock over and over and over. And I deleted the app and re um, downloaded it many, many, many times. But now it's really cool that I can go in there and be like, oh, I have 458 days sober. And like, mm-hmm. oh, there's two messages from two of my accountability partners. And it's, it's kind of cool. I really yeah. like it. The one app, yeah, I, I like that. I, you know, had said before, I'm like, I don't even know how long I've been sober. Like, when I downloaded it, it's like, I don't want to close out of our, our podcast app because I don't want to mess anything up. But it's like, you over... can't. I don't think anything happened. No, I'm still scared because okay. we always have technical difficulties <laughs> and we're almost at the end. We're in the home stretch. But it's like, you know, over 2,100 days I've been sober. I'm like, damn, Ooh. that's cool. And then, you know, I, we talked about my recovery from codependency and I look at it and I'm like, 18 days like this is really like the first couple times like that was something I had to hang on to day four I'm like oh I don't want to reset this clock it was really helpful for me so um it is kind of glitchy and there's not a whole lot of people on there but the people that are on there are pretty cool yeah you know it's funny you said that because like the first when you only have a couple days like if you reset your clock and you're like I only have three days it's like whatever I'll throw those away once you start getting some days there, they become precious. You like yes. to collect them. And it's like, maybe it's just pride, but I think it's like you you see it and you don't want to just throw it down the drain. You're like, oh, I have 18 days or, oh, I have 32 days. And you think, I don't want to fuck this up. Like, I really did it. I came this far. I want to keep going. Yeah. And I have like, mm-hmm. go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's cool to have those clocks side by side for me because I didn't get sober for 21 x amount of days 2100 days like except for one day at a time Mm -hmm. and i look at that other clock and i'm like oh 18 days but i'm like no like look where i came from in this one part aspect like i'm getting there (laughs) it's only baby steps but like for me it's really reinforcing of like you don't get all the numbers all at once it's not a prize like and that's for me why I think I shied away from counting or knowing how many days I had because I'm like it doesn't matter I'm not going to drink I don't need a countdown like but it is empowering now to see that and be like oh well I can I did this so I can do this there's been times where I look at my counter and this is like maybe close to my nine month mark I was like what am I counting to or what am I counting down to or like it just seemed weird to be obsessed yes. with my number of days yes. and so I get why some people don't do that yeah so if it's not for you that's totally and I didn't for a very it. long time and I still don't like look at it all the time but it's kind of cool it is kind of cool especially when you can look back at really any number of days and know what you've put into them yeah and just be like that is a treasure to me like that is. is meaningful to me I cherish it I respect it and I want to keep going or all the days I get to remember <laughs> even the bad yeah. ones like mm-hmm. Because for me, it was like almost a year and a half of blackout. Like, I get to remember all these days. It's, it's I, so there's some funny I probably wouldn't want that. to, but I, I actually remember, you know? It's so weird that you're saying that because it's the new year. I was looking back at my pictures throughout the year, and something insane has happened where, like, 
I tr- I'm trying to like relive the whole past year, but there's so much that happened in the last year that I can't possibly hold on to it. And so for some reason, when I drank, I didn't, I didn't really care. Like time was passing by and memories happened, but like now that I'm clear headed, it's like, mm-hmm. I want to cherish everything so much more. And it's yep. a really weird feeling. Yep. Um, it almost feels like time is like speeding up. Like things are just happening and so many good things are happening that it's, it's just a weird feeling. <laughs> yes. I know what you mean. And you can remember it all. That's the overwhelming part. Yeah. Well, within reason. I might, I didn't, I don't even know what I had for lunch today. Probably bacon and cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I had either of those. I have eaten on multiple occasions an entire package of bacon, so I hope you don't think I'm judging you because I love bacon. Oh, you can judge me. That's fine. (laughs) It's delicious. I'll just sit and eat my delicious bacon while you're judging me, and we'll see who wins. (laughs) I'm not. I actually really want some right now. (laughs) All right. I have to get going pretty soon. Me too, sister. But um, maybe we can put, like, hmm... Go on our Instagram tomorrow and check our out Rinsta. our resources. We'll put our real Hashtag Insta, our Insta. <laughs> I'm hip. I'm cool. Um, we'll put resources on there. I'll take funny meme pictures and put resources on there. And, uh, and share with us what you use for your resources, especially for quitting smoking, for sobriety, yes. for codependency, whatever your favorite resources are we would love to hear them yeah, I would love to hear them be awesome. because I'm always trying to grow and learn and, and I I'm need to hear them so when I'm like balls deep in day three of no nicotine <laughs> and I'm gonna punch people in the face and I'm usually a very chill person I'm gonna you're gonna help me you're gonna give me resources I'm gonna be like thank you I'm still gonna be angry not because of you but because of my chemical imbalance mm-hmm. but I'll appreciate the resource yes so please Help us, help us, and in return, we will help give you these me. podcasts. It's running it now! <laughs> I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> well, I love you. I'm glad that we got to do I this before too. I leave for my trip. And then I get to see you in like a week and a half. I know. I'm going to come visit Chicago for my birthday. Let's do another podcast when we're together. Okay, let's do it. Oh, cool. we'll have to do it without cigarettes. Oh my God, it's giving me anxiety. Um, it's fine. We're going to have suckers and we'll be great. Okay. Can we have pizza? Yes. So much pizza. Oh my God. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> well, I love right. you. I I'll love you, you soon. And thank, and thank you, guys you for, for listening. listening. We, we like, like you. We like you so much. We like you. <laughs> we a like lot. you a whole lot. I'm serious. Big I'm time. Not, if I, I'm a pretty truthful, direct person. So if I didn't like you, I would just say, thanks for listening. And leave it at that. Thanks. You can go fuck yourself. But I say, I like you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But I really like you. I really like who you are. Because, first of all, you put up with our shit. And second of all, that's already a kindred spirit. And second of all, you're trying to stay sober. That's great. I like you. Mm -hmm. I really like you. All right. All right. Let's we're done with the circle jerk now. And <laughs> what? How can you have a circle jerk with two people? Ponder that until our next episode. All right. I love you. I love you too. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye.